One quick note before we dive in, we had a little bit of trouble with Tom's audio in this episode, but I 100% recommend listening, sticking with it anyway, as Tom drops a wealth of knowledge. And we also have a transcript to go along with this episode if any bits are unclear. Thank you so much and really sorry in advance. All the posts that I've posted that, are, that have gotten to say 1,000 or 2,000, like what I consider to be a viral post, at least in my books, they have all had like 200, 200 plus in, in the first hour. Okay. And so what that means is there are a number of things that you can do to try and optimize the success of a post once you understand that, me- that mechanic. So the first one is... Welcome to the Send and Grow podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Redekop. In my day job at Sparkloop, I spent all my time analyzing how the best newsletter operators and media brands in the world grow and monetize their audiences. I get a behind the scenes look at how they're growing their newsletters and driving revenue. And there is so much to learn from their success and from their mistakes. With this podcast, you get that access too. Every week, I sit down with a different guest from industry experts to successful operators, and we go deep on the stuff that you need to know so you can become really effective at growing and monetizing your newsletter. In today's episode, I'm joined by Tom Alder. Tom writes the rapidly growing Strategy Breakdowns newsletter. And I hope you have your notes app handy because this conversation is a playbook on mastering organic growth, specifically on LinkedIn. A few weeks back, we interviewed Bill Kerr from Open Source CEO. And Bill mentioned how Tom had grown his newsletter to 5,000 subscribers before even publishing one edition. It was at that moment I knew we needed to get Tom on the pod. And boy, am I glad we did. In this episode, Tom spills his LinkedIn secrets for growth on that platform and how he's used LinkedIn to grow his newsletter to 35,000 subscribers in a mere seven months. Not only that, but Tom recently quit his job at Atlassian to go all in on strategy breakdowns. I could keep going on and on with teasers forever, but let's just get right into the episode. I'm so pumped to have you on the podcast, Tom. So what is strategy breakdowns and how is it different than the typical teardown newsletter? It's an absolute pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me, Dylan. So Strategy Breakdowns is a three-minute weekly email breaking down the strategy playbooks of, of the world's greatest companies. So each week, we, we look at a legendary, primarily software companies like Spotify, Canva, Snapchat, and we dissect an aspect of their strategies. We'll also sometimes look at some of the more interesting, like less well-known strategies of companies like Unsplash or, or Minecraft. There's a lot of awesome, awesome content in the space and, and incredible creators. And I subscribe to all of them. Like I'm, I'm obsessed with this space. And so one of the ways I thought about differentiating what, what I wanted to do was um, rather than knocking out like a, a 30 minute read on the, the grand unifying theory of, of Uber's business model, um, which is an amazing thing to put together. And, and the payoff is huge for the reader. But I went the other way. I wanted to focus very specifically on like just one aspect of how say Canva builds these logo generator, business card generator, t-shirt maker to to rank and and convert organic SEO traffic. Mm. Or how Loom creates these like product-led growth loops uh, that actually have the effect of making it go viral within different organizations. Like one person has a Loom license, and then all of a sudden everyone has a Loom license. It's crazy. So so my breakdowns will have a very specific aspect of strategy, um, like screenshots of how it works in product and, and arrows. And I try to link out to like early interviews of, of founders and leaked emails and things like that to really try to illuminate how the, the founder was, was thinking about uh, the, the strategy at the time. Right. 
And so what kind of person would read your would you read your newsletter? Yeah. So in terms of who reads it, the data very much supports exactly what you'd expect if you try to kind of reverse engineer who you think would read a, a publication like this. So right. we have a very, very high concentration of uh, readers in, in tech companies, as well as adjacent industries like VC, PE, investment banking, IT services, things like that. When you think about specific personas, the number one role title that, that you see in our audience is founder. Number two, most common is co-founder. Number three is CEO. Four is product manager. And then five is software engineer. So kind of exactly what you'd expect wow. considering the concentration in, in, in software companies. Yeah. Uh, and that's a pretty impressive, uh, I guess, roster or uh, demographic that you're, that you're catering to. I want to get into that a little bit more um, later on when we talk maybe about uh, monetization and revenue. Sure. And I also want to get into how you structure your content um, because I really I like the way you've got it templated and and formatted with uh, you know the chess move and and all that sort of stuff. So we'll talk about that in a minute. But before we do that, I don't want to bury the lead. You started Strategy Breakdowns, correct me if I'm wrong, in June of 2023. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yay! My my research LinkedIn served <laughs> me well. Okay. Well done. <laughs> um, and you have currently 35, give or take 35,000 subscribers. That's right. Yeah. And it's currently February of 2024. So we're less far under a year um, that you've launched. You also launched to just shy, I believe, of 5,000 subscribers. So like you hadn't even published an edition and you published your first one to 5,000. Most people publish their first edition to like, you know, grandma, grandpa, mom, dad, and uh, maybe a few coworkers, if that. So can you take us back to, I guess, as you're building up strategy breakdowns, um, you, you obviously had the idea to launch it. You had a landing page. How were you, how are you driving um, all of these subscribers without an, a live newsletter? Great question. So th- this, is a, this is a classic case of like an overnight rocket ship. By no means the fastest right. rocket ship, but it's, it's, it's kind of followed that pattern. So <laughs> I, I launched the newsletter like seven months ago, but I started writing on LinkedIn like two and a half years ago. And when I started, I, I wasn't really growing that fast, but I was posting uh, every single day. I, I, I started off with kind of a, a challenge I set for myself of like, post every single day online for 30 days and, and see if I could do that. And I continued and, and ended up doing it for, for nine months straight, posting every single day, including weekends and, and got to 10,000 followers. And along the way, I was kind of figuring out like, right, when am I going to stop this? Like 1,000, 5,000, you know, 100 days, whatever it might be. Ended up stopping at 10,000 and then took quite a long break actually about a year without really posting too much. Um, did a few other things, was kind of trying to uh, launch a website. I got a new job, joined the strategy team at Atlassian. And then once I started to get uh, my, my footing in my new job again, I started posting again at, at the start of last year, the start of 2023. Okay. And this time I had a, a, a slightly different intention to just kind of share in random stuff. I was much more like growth oriented, I would say. Okay. Um, and I had a definite plan to figure out a way to spin out a business from the audience that I was growing. So I started posting again at maybe like 12 or 13,000 followers on, on LinkedIn, thereabouts. And you know, when, when I launched the newsletter seven months ago, I was probably sitting in around maybe 20,000 followers all past. So wow. that's, that's the first bit. So I, I, I wasn't launching to a totally empty state and kind of also starting on LinkedIn and, and Twitter at the time. So I did have a bit, bit of a base to build off. Mm-hmm. What I actually started doing was 
I was already posting this content every day and I decided to include a CTA at the, at the bottom of the content that basically said, Hey, if you like this, I'm launching a newsletter soon. Like go check it out here, go subscribe. And that just pointed to like pretty much a blank landing page. Like it, the first iteration was basically Tom's mailing list <laughs> coming soon, like yeah. something of that nature. And, you know, maybe a week later I added a, a welcome email that said like, Hey, thanks for being here. You know, don't exactly know what this is going to be yet, but appreciate it. Right. And so as I was forming the idea of exactly what I wanted to be, you know, you you iteratively improve and, and refine their their experience for new subscribers, even though I still didn't have any content. So at some point I changed the name to strategy breakdowns. I kind of included the pitch of, you know, breakdowns of strategy playbooks, etc. But yeah, I, th- I think the point was I was already creating all of these impressions and, and, and clicks and traffic and, and activity and just wanted to kind of throw up something that would start to form the base of what I, what I knew was, was going to be a, a newsletter I was going to end up launching. Right. And yeah, I guess that was probably maybe a two-month period, something like that. Okay. And in, in that time, I had a, a couple of posts which, which kind of blew up, which, which helped. Like the, the viral post mechanic is um, certainly what, what drives a lot of value in terms of followers and, and subscribers. So I might have had one which generated you know, 400 subs, 100 subs here, 300 subs there. And yeah, it, w- it was kind of like launch before you're ready kind of <laughs> situation. But right. that, that's basically the story of um, by the time my first email went out, I was, yeah, ballpark 5,000, maybe 4,500 subscribers. Right. It's uh, one of those uh, build the rocket ship as it's already kind of hurling into space, right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, reading through, you posted um, something a little out of the ordinary in December for one of your posts where I think you kind of gave people a six month update on you know, strategy breakdowns and how you've been growing it, which was really interesting. It's kind of like a build, build in public post where you shared a lot of details. And one thing you mentioned in there was you had a post, one of your, you know, viral posts that you just mentioned about, I'm going to say, I write Nikita Beer selling or with the gas app. Yeah. And it got, I think, 2,200 subscribers to your newsletter for just a, this this one post, yeah. which is which is remarkable. And I mean, if you go through it, it's it's nicely formatted. You know, you got step one, step two, step three, step four, and so on. You included a photo of Nikita with a cake, which is quite uh, a very interesting uh, a picture, which is which is a fun piece of um, content there. But yeah, it's it's really interesting to see the success that you've had with with posting these kind of almost mini breakdowns mm. right on LinkedIn. Like this one has over eleven and a half thousand um, engagements, which is which is remarkable. The other thing I think is really interesting is you said in July you launched to was it around 20 or 25,000 followers when you actually launched? That's right. Yeah. Ballpark. Yeah. And and now you're now you're around 75,000. So not only have you been growing this newsletter, your online persona, your online audience has grown as well. How have you seen that how have you seen that correlate with uh, newsletter growth? Yeah, pre- pretty well perfectly correlated. I mean, yeah. About I think it's about 75 or, or 80% of my newsletter subscribers have, have come from LinkedIn okay. uh, or organically. And so the, one of the benefits of doing this, you know, there's trade-offs, pros and cons to every growth mechanism. But one of the benefits of, of doing it this way is you, you grow a subscriber base, but you also grow a following on LinkedIn, which is kind of flexible and, and useful in other ways. Yeah. But yeah, I'd say for the most part, as I cranked up the volume and frequency and, and intensity of, of posting on LinkedIn, the newsletter subscriber rate of growth 
followed pretty mm. pretty much exactly. And you always followed those posts with, uh, I would imagine, a link to your newsletter. Was it pretty much every time that you'd include that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. I, w- I would include it in every post. Mm-hmm. There, there are quite a few like strategies and tactics to to optimizing that CTA and and funnel and, and subscriber flow. Which I, I mean, I'm I'm happy to just share a few kind of specific tactics for other people who are who are interested in yeah in growing on LinkedIn. So that'd be great. Yeah, where where do I start? I think the the first thing that I point out to anyone who, who's looking to to grow on LinkedIn is the the first hour right after you post is is by far the most important time period in determining the success of the post. So I can roughly predict how how many reactions a, a post will get based on how many it has in the first hour. So if wow. it has about 100 in the first hour. You can roughly predict after the kind of 48 to, to 72 hour lifespan of, of that post, it'll have like 500 or so reactions, you know, plus or minus 150, but it'll be in that kind of ballpark. Okay. All the posts that I've, that I've posted that, are, that have gotten to say 1,000 or 2,000, like w- what I consider to be a viral post, at least in my books, they have all had like 200, 200 plus in, in the first hour. Okay. Oh, wow. And so what that means is, there are a number of things that you can do to try and optimize the success of a post once you understand that, me- that mechanic. So the first one is don't set and forget. Don't just, don't just post and bail. You, <laughs> you've got to be there res- responding to um, all the comments that you get, replying in, in interesting ways, creating conversation. You try and, try and reply in a way that actually creates more conversation, either from the original commenter or other people who kind of want to jump onto that comment thread. So that, that is absolutely critical to, to be there posting and engaging and really giving the post the, the best chance it has to, to succeed in that first hour. Another thing that I, that I recommend to everyone is not just focusing on your content, but doing outbound engagement as well. So for roughly half an hour before I post, I would highly recommend posting comments on, on other people's uh, posts, particularly larger creators in your niche right. to... I'd say kind of like warm up the algorithm is, is like a, a crude way of putting it, but you want to get your profile in, in different people's feeds, you know, different people on the network starting to get notifications and some of them in, include you. The other benefit of doing it this way is, especially when you're just getting started, it's even more valuable. So if you have, let's say like 1000 followers, you know, early on in the journey mm-hmm. and every time you post, it gets, let's say between 500 and, and 1000 impressions. Um, if you are also sending out 15, 20 outbound comments a day on large creators and they have 500,000 followers and, and they're getting a million impressions a post, let's say a conservative 25% of people who see a big post will scroll down and read the first comment. If you post an early high value comment that you know, creates more conversation, get, get some engagement, you have a pretty good chance of getting bumped up to kind of like the top comment, like the de facto highest place comment on, in, in that little thread. And if you're doing 20 of these a day, you have a pretty good chance of getting one of these a day or one, one every few days. And so that's yeah. you know, 250,000 people that have at least seen your comment. And it's, it's different to seeing your post, of course, but let's say 1% of those people click through to your profile and then 30% of those people who hit your profile end up following you. Mm-hmm. If, you th- if you think about the math, it's, just a, it's a much more efficient way of growing, especially at an early stage than kind of just posting into the void and hoping people will, will come and find you. I think out, outbound comment is a, a super, super valuable strategy. Wow. Another tactic that comes to mind, uh, so if I'm kind of rambling on a little bit. No, here, no, this is, this is gold. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, another one that comes to mind is how you actually place the CTA. So mm. 
like I mentioned, the first hour is the most important. And LinkedIn, I think the same as Twitter, but I'm, I'm just starting on Twitter and quickly realizing I've got absolutely no Twitter game. So <laughs> ignore my Twitter commentary. But at least on LinkedIn, if, if you include a link, it, it massively cramps the reach of, of the post like down to maybe 25% of, of what it would have been otherwise. So you lose 75% of that value. And so if you can avoid it, you don't want to include a link in the post, right? Mm-hmm. But then the question becomes, okay, how do you get people to your subscribe page? And so what you need to do is, or at least what, what I believe the current kind of playbook metagame is that, that most creators are actually doing is, is two things. One is you want to edit the post after one hour. So you leave the post without um, any link for the first hour Optimize for you know engagement, activity, conversation, and then after one hour, you edit the post and include the CTA at the bottom and say, "Hey, by the by the way, if you like this, you know you'll you'll love my newsletter. Go check it out here." And if you edit the post and include a link, it certainly does have an impact on reach, but that is absolutely outweighed by the the value that is created by having an optimal first hour. Hmm. Like I truly believe that is like the most important driver of the success of the post. So you kind of get the best best of both worlds there. You get a, a CTA in after that first hour, and then um, you you also optimize for the first hour. One question on that. So how does that compare to what you often see people doing, leaving even making a note saying, you know, see the first comment for, you know, the link to whatever, um, and putting the link in a comment yeah. right after? How, how like how do those two strategies compare? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I would actually recommend you do both. Mm. So the the thing with comments is. LinkedIn also penalizes the reach if you are the first to comment on your post. <laughs> and if you're in the first like even 10 minutes or so, even if you had a few other comments. Uh, they, they figured us out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So given that, you should absolutely add comments to your own post after 10 minutes, assuming you're not the first. So those are the kind of the, the two rules that you have to go by. But assuming there's comments in there, after 10 minutes, you add a comment. You can, you can plug the newsletter for sure. Another part of the call it metagame again, <laughs> that, that I'm seeing a lot of large creators doing and, and I'm, I'm trying to adopt it myself as well, is you don't just leave one comment, you leave like five awesome comments on your own post. And so this is again under the umbrella of like, don't just set and forget. You want to, let's say you're doing a listicle, right? Like top 10 tips to XYZ or something. Mm-hmm. At the bottom in, in the comments, you leave a comment which is like bonus tip you, and you, you right. make it stand out and you go... Like start it with an emoji, a little brain emoji or a rocket emoji or whatever your style is. And I like to do like bonus tip all in caps and it's like Unicode bold. You know, you can't do like the the, the native bold, but you can use Unicode characters. So you go bonus tip, all caps with an emoji, it stands out. And then you drop a bonus tip. And then at the end of that, you have another little CTA, which could be the same. It could be, by the way, if you like this, go subscribe. Right. Or it could be, hey, if you like this, like, you know, repost it with your network. It means a lot to me, something like that. And and you can do a bunch of these. You can, if it's a post about marketing and you drop a little Steve Jobs quote about marketing in the bottom or, or something like that, that's like related to the post, but kind of just adds a bit more value. Mm-hmm. Um, and then say, hey, by the way, like, you know, follow me or what, what, whatever the CTA you choose is. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really interesting strategy that I would, I would recommend, recommend everyone do as well. Wow. Okay. So, I mean, my head ex- exploding a little bit here. I'm going to have to try to... <laughs> Rain, rain us back in because I have so many more questions to ask you. But this was like, I mean, um, you know, LinkedIn organic growth, uh, you know, gold. So I really appreciate you sharing all that. So you, you clearly know what you're doing. I mean, obviously, with the growth you're doing. One last question, maybe on this is, how do you manage all of that? Like that seems like a lot. Like you have to you know, fire up the algorithm first. 
you know, for the first, you know, 20 minutes or so by commenting, uh, or the first hour or so commenting, then you need to post and then you need to, you know, kind of set a timer and, you know, within an hour edit, you know, the post. And then like, how do you, how do you go about managing all that? Yeah, I think for, for this, it all comes down to like systems and processes. You, you certainly won't nail all of the optimal steps on the first go, mm-hmm. but I would recommend everyone create a, a bit of a, a playbook or, or like a run book for yourself of all the steps that you think need to happen in, in order. So if it starts half an hour before with the outbound engagement, you know, that's step one. But then in the playbook, you also have the list of all the creators that you want to go and engage with and you have mm. links to all their profiles. So you just bang, 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 right. go knock them all out. There's certain tools that you can use to, to rapid fire engagement as well. So I recommend starting with that. And then step two is the post goes up or if you, if you scheduled it, that's another story. <laughs> Schedule it, respond to all the comments, maybe keep doing some outbound. What I recommend doing is like you post, you go do something else for 10 minutes, probably outbound engagement, and then you come back, drop in the extra comments and respond to the replies that have come in so far. And then go do something else for 20 minutes, come back 30 minutes after you've posted, reply to comments, and then come back one hour after you posted, mm. reply to the comments, and then do the edit with the CTA. And that way you kind of tick off all of the, the, the key actions. And there's, there's a bunch of little, little steps in between there, but that's, that's the general uh, run book that I'd, I'd recommend. Wow. I think I'm going to start the Tom Alder LinkedIn growth challenge and it's going to be like, follow Tom's playbook. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm totally kidding. But like, really, that's, that's, uh, that's really good. Thanks again for sharing that. Totally. After a short message from our sponsor, Sparkloop, Tom shares his top tips to convert LinkedIn followers to newsletter subscribers. Trust me, you do not want to miss this. Last year, we launched the most generous affiliate program in the newsletter space. Send just a handful of newsletters our way, and you can unlock tens of thousands of dollars every month. And now, we're turning up the heat. We're sending our top-earning affiliate partner, with a plus one, on a free, all-inclusive trip to Cancun. You can win! Just share Sparkloop with newsletter operators before April 30th. They get free access to the most popular newsletter recommendations network and unlock millions of dollars in easy extra revenue by recommending the world's best newsletters. You get a 30% commission. Win-win. It's that easy. See you on the beach. Now back to the show. You mentioned, I mean, you're really, you are obviously very skilled at growing an an organic audience and growing your newsletter organically. Have you tried any paid growth at all? Yeah, so my experience with paid growth has been through newsletter referral platforms, right? Okay. Such as Sparkloot, but others as well, mm-hmm. like Beehive Boots and, and Refined. Yeah. They all have their own unique you know, characteristics, pros and cons. Some of the things that they all have in common though is they're super easy to set up, mm-hmm. less than 30 minutes and, and you're done. And the other thing is, if you have budget and if you have a publication that people read and open, I think you, you can absolutely scale with these paid referral platforms. And I think it is important that you have something that people mm-hmm. read, right? Otherwise, you're scaling something that, that no one reads. And it's also important that you have the, the mechanisms and the business model to, to monetize on the back end in order yeah. to fund the growth. But I think for the most part, it's just a, an amazing growth channel. And I think that the speed at which we've seen you can, you can spin up these incredible digital media properties with really immense mm-hmm. reach is just phenomenal. And it, it, it kind of makes you think of... It's a bit before my time, but I've read a lot about it. Like back when Facebook ads were like really, really cheap and, and people were realizing like, wait, you mean I can just send 10,000 people a day to my landing page, to my e-com site or, or SaaS product or something. And then 5% is, yeah. 5% of people will convert. 
and I get like a 10x ROAS and I can just keep on kind of feed, feeding the growth. I think that's what a lot of these more mature and like super successful uh, newsletter publications have realized is it's just super powerful channel for growth. So as you can tell, I'm very bullish on this channel. I'm interested as well in like mm-hmm. Twitter ads, meta ads. That's kind of a whole different ball game. I don't really have the skills yet to work in that space. But yeah, c- certainly these referral programs have been amazing in my experience. And I think it's it's very clear why they're a, a huge part of the growth strategy for, for most newsletters. Talk to me a little bit about quitting your job. And you just recently did it. Again, you shared you shared a bit about that in your um, your built in public six month post on strategy breakdowns. But talk to us about your decision to do that. Did you ever think it would be possible to quit your job and and go all in into a newsletter? And why did you do it? Yeah, I'd love to break down here. I I certainly hoped it would be possible, and I was I was very pleased <laughs> that um, we got there. But <laughs> yeah, no, that, that, there's a. There are a few uh, mental models that I think stuck with me that that helped me make the decision, rationalize the decision. And by the way, this is like super fresh for me at, at, at the time of recording. So I was a, I was a full time employee like mm-hmm. five weeks ago, right? Just just over a month ago. So this is um yeah. very fresh and and hopefully helpful for that reason. So one of the one of the ways of, of thinking about this problem was, I think typically when when we are making a decision or we're weighing up the risks and, and pros and cons of a decision, we think, what is the upside of making the decision versus what is the downside of making the decision, right? And so in, in this case, if it's quitting your job to go full-time on your thing, mm-hmm. the upside is you know, anything from like getting to do what you, what you want every day, like freedom, flexibility, creativity, making something you're proud of, and you know, financial aspects as, as well. And then what's the downside of making that decision? Well, in my case, it was maybe a bit of, bit of fear of failure. It's a very public thing, an audience-first business model. Mm-hmm. No one wants to get pie in the face publicly and, and see that fail. So like those, those kind of trade-offs, yeah. maybe you leave like a, a more stable, secure job, etc. But what I realized is uh, that that's not the whole equation. And I didn't uh, make this up. I read it somewhere. But the other side of the equation is what's the downside of not making the decision? So if you... Mm-hmm. Stick out, you know, spend spend more time in your job, or maybe don't ever go go full time on on that thing that you're building. Would you be kind of disappointed, regretful, resentful, like those types of things? Those are actually additional fodder for reasons why you should make the decision, right? It's it's not just the upside and downside of making it, right? It's also considering if you don't make the decision. And similarly, there's like upsides to not making the decision, right? The stability, uh, the stability aspect. But that yeah, going through that process certainly helped me. Think to think about the decision. Another aspect there is like the opportunity cost, right? I, you see a lot of these frameworks of like, well, maybe you should maybe you should get your your side business to to fifty percent of your your salaried income before before you go for it. And people who are inherently more risk averse or financially conservative will say, yeah, that that's like the minimum you should get to before you even consider it. And then other people who are more risk taking or kind of more aligned with like the high growth startup kind of world will say, well, you, you kind of left it too late. Like the opportunity cost, you should have gone it earlier and then you would have got to 50% way faster. Mm. Um, so that that's another equation. Not only do you grow faster if you have more time to spend on it, but you also get to reclaim your like evenings and weekends, right? Because you're, you're working your full-time job, you're building this thing on the side. That's all time that really should be you know, you time, social time and, and mm-hmm. t- time to enjoy yourself. So it's kind of a double whammy. You you grow faster and you get all this extra time back in your week. And you 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 just don't have the challenges that you're also facing and solving in your day job. You just have the mental clarity to, to focus on on the one thing. 
the last thing I'll, I'll, I'll say on this point is I think a lot of people, I, I say this from experience because I, I certainly did this. <laughs> it's easy to fall into the trap of thinking that you should de-risk everything that you possibly can before you are comfortable enough to make the decision. And you can't possibly predict all of the challenges that you'll face and, and opportunities that will come your way and people that you'll meet once you go for it. And so I would encourage people to kind of avoid the um, avoid thinking that you can consume enough information and do enough research and enough planning that you'll actually be able to kind of uncover and, and pre-solve for every single thing that can possibly happen or go wrong. Right. Um, the only way that you will actually be comfortable enough to, to make this kind of decision is if you just accept that you back yourself to figure out a way to solve challenges as they come up. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like you can't possibly anticipate everything. You just think that, you know, as they come up, you'll you'll find a new way to do it. You know, Google and Yahoo bring in new <laughs> email privacy uh, compliance requirements. You can't possibly anticipate that. Like it's new for everyone who doesn't really know the, the inner workings of email, but you figure out a way to do it. Or, you know, you run a whole bunch of ads and then for the first time you have an underperforming ad, like worst nightmare for a newsletter operator. Everyone faces it at some point. What do you do? You weigh up what you have to do, and you you send the email. You know, mm-hmm. so I think it's that that that's also kind of a, a useful way of thinking about it. Like, just try and get to the point where you you have belief that you can figure out things on the fly. Yeah. So you don't have to pre-solve everything, de-risk everything before you make the call. It kind of goes back to that building the rocket ship uh, after you've launched, right? <laughs> um, finish finishing putting the pieces together to some degree, because you can't possibly um, you know plan for every everything that will and could happen. So it leads us into, we'll probably end kind of on this topic here. It leads us into monetization because, you know, to quit a job that you're getting a, you know, reliable steady income from, you obviously have to have some, at least I would anticipate you'd have some uh, monetization plans or you're already monetizing strategy breakdowns. So what does, A, I guess, are you? I I shouldn't assume that you are, but I've seen ads in your newsletter. So my assumption is you are. And what is your current revenue stream pie chart, so to speak, look like? That's a great question. The pie chart, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to steal that. So if you want to see the pie chart, by the way, actually, it's, it's on my uh, six months building and public article. So if you Google search six months into strategy breakdowns, you can see it. Nice. Um, but the gist of it is, this is kind of from memory, but about 75 to 80% is, is sponsorships currently. Mm-hmm. So that is flat fixed fee sponsors who run a little ad insert. You know, Today's article is brought to you by brand name. So that's the, the primary revenue driver. Then the next segment is maybe 20%, maybe yeah, about 15, 20%. And that is through paid referrals. So that's platforms like Sparkloop. So recommending other newsletters and uh, generating a commission for successful referrals. Right. And then I think the last very thin slice is maybe 2 or 3% is affiliate income. So that is recommending, at least in, in my case, primarily recommending SAP tools. Uh, one of the benefits of that is you typically generate a recurring revenue source. Mm-hmm. So if you refer two people in the first month and then three people in the second month, you're not on three, you're on five referrals, right? That are, that are paying yeah. you each month. And so it kind of stacks up and then six months in, all of a sudden, like you're, you're getting a slice of the income for 20 people that, that you've referred. So I really like the recurring revenue aspect there, mm-hmm. um, but it's, it's quite a small, small slice. It's the smallest slice of the pie right now. And so that leads me to the next question is, do you see the pie chart revenue stream changing in the next one to two years? And if so, how do you see that changing? Yeah, I, I certainly see it changing. Uh, it, it will change in a few ways. I think the first one is diversification away from ads. And that's not to say we'll stop running ads. Certainly certainly still keep keep running ads. 
the more scalable and and efficient way to to run a business like this, especially as more of like a solopreneur type operation, is to to launch some kind of paid product or or subscription offer, right? Mm-hmm. Infinitely scalable in that they're kind of digital, like very little incremental effort to deliver each each additional sale. The umbrella term for like paid product is course because everyone kind of understands what 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 a course is. Um, but there's there's various ways that you can that you can deliver a product like that. Subscription offer is just a kind of strategy to break down premium, right? Like you get the additional resources, tools, like maybe an extra newsletter, something like that. Uh, I'm tossing up a few things on which direction to go, to go here. To be honest, I think there's a, a lot more reader validation that, that I know I need to do before I commit to a direction here. There's lots of options, but I come from a product strategy background. So I know it's like certainly too early for me to build something because I want to build something that uh, I'm certain people will actually buy. Right. Ask them and then, and then kind of build exactly that. So that's the first thing. I would hope that as a result, the, the, the percentage of ad revenue would would scale down even if the absolute number maybe stays the same or even goes up mm. if that makes sense so yep. the, the percentage of the overall pie would, would go down i would expect something pretty similar for the paid referrals i would imagine that the monthly absolute value would stay roughly the same maybe go up slightly because it's pretty well correlated with my social media content and, mm-hmm. and impressions on on that side and then affiliate revenue, what I'd like to see is it actually slightly increases as a percentage because of that compounding benefit of the recurring revenue source. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And what you're alluding to basically there is that the potential product, quote unquote, course that you're going to make is going to hopefully be maybe one of the larger pieces of the pie with the other ones um, being smaller, yet their revenues remaining stable in terms of sheer you know, numbers. That's right. So I, I'd like to ask a lot of you know, people on the show this question because. Usually, if you're on if you're on the Senegal podcast, you're doing something right with your newsletter, and so I'm curious what you see. Um, kind of, I could frame this question in two ways. Either what's one thing you see most newsletter operators doing wrong, or what do you think is the most obvious low hanging fruit that newsletter operators just aren't you know plucking from the tree and and snacking on? Good question. I think I think for this one, I'll, I'll focus on like early stage operators. So say I kind of. My, st- my stage or earlier, let's mm-hmm. say. I think the the number one thing would be having a plan for sustainable growth, which is very different to kind of one hits of growth. And I'll I'll explain what I mean. I think there is a there's a perception that if you write an awesome free newsletter, it'll just get shared around like wildfire, <laughs> right? You write an article, send it to a thousand people, and then the next day you wake up and you got fifteen hundred subscribers. That can happen in in certain cases, but I think the reality is for 99% of uh, newsletters, if 5% of your subscribers are forwarding your emails each time, that's like best in class. That's like an exceptional rate. Mm -hmm. And so I think having more of a plan for how you are planning to to grow the size of the email list on a sustainable basis is, is absolutely critical. Like if you don't have an audience on social media, say... You might think you write a great article, you kind of share it to no one and it just gets picked up and everyone starts sharing it. Very unlikely. Mm -hmm. What I would actually... And I I don't say this to be discouraging. Hopefully, this is like illuminating. Mm -hmm. There are specific growth channels which are more sustainable to consistently chip away at and generate a few hundred thousand subscribers every single month on an ongoing basis. Um, And there are a few options to consider here. I'll split it into organic and, and paid. So on the organic side... 
you pretty much have like social media, which requires either having an audience or growing an audience, right? And that's totally cool. It's a, it's a whole game in itself. And so you, you can go down that path and it certainly works and you can just keep doing it and, and keep on growing the size of your audience and the size of your subscriber list. The other organic method that is sustainable, it's a, a bit more old school, but it is interesting. It's like SEO, right? Organic search traffic. To do that, you need to learn and become a master of, of SEO, how to rank, how to do keywords and how to write SEO optimized content. Totally viable path. I think people might hear this and think, oh, what about like newsletter swaps and forwards and you know, lead magnets and giveaways and stuff? I think just based on experience and, and based on what I've seen uh, across other newsletter operators is you can't give away your... You can't lead magnet your way to like a thousand <laughs> subscribers a month, every single month, just consistently. It just, it, yeah. it doesn't work. It kind of taps out after a while. It has implications on, um, on your brand, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So I think those are the sustainable organic methods. And then on the paid side, like I said, there's paid referrals. Amazing. There's meta ads. That's a whole uh, industry in, it, mm-hmm. in itself. And people become absolutely amazing at, at running efficient meta ads. The thing there is you need a budget. And so... You, know, you you need to come into this knowing that your your plan to monetize, sorry, your plan to grow mm-hmm. rather is is two thousand dollars a month of paid ad spend, and that's that's how we're going to grow. So I think that that would be probably the biggest realization that that I've had, at least in my experience, like coming into this, doing this for a little bit of time, is certain methods are sustainable and and longer term and and ongoing, and they work. Others are just simply less sustainable to really do something over the long term and and do something at scale. And do you optimize for scalability? I think absolutely, yeah. One one of the benefits of of growing a social media audience to to grow a newsletter is you kind of kill two birds with one stone. You you get that LinkedIn audience or that Twitter audience as well, right? And and you can use that in other ways, and that's valuable for attracting sponsors and yeah. launching products and finding partners and doing whatever you want to do. I think I would I would much rather have a plan, even if it's like a little bit slower, but doing something which is sustainable, scalable, certainly a a preferable approach. Tom, it's been awesome having you on. There's a few things I wanted to ask you. We just were running short on time here. So maybe we'll have to do round two in six months or so. <laughs> once you're totally. six months into the... Uh, once you've quit your job and been doing the newsletter for six months is what I mean. So yeah, that'll be, that'll be fun. Why don't you share with us uh, where people can find you, uh, where you're most active and um, how to get in touch. Yeah, absolutely. So the newsletter is strategybreakdown.com. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, Tom Alder. I think it's just Tom Dash Alder is the the little handle on the on the end of the URL there. And then on Twitter, I'm Tom Alder tweets. Awesome. And um, we wish you the best in 2024. Like I said, we might have to have you come back on and see see what you're up to in six months' time. Maybe you'll have a product course launched. You never know. But thanks, Tom, for coming on. It's been a pleasure, and all the best. Thank you. Cheers. Say hi to the Sparkloot team for me. Love your work. <laughs> I will. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Send and Grow podcast. If you like what you heard, here are three quick ways that you can show your support. Number one, leave us a five-star rating and review in the podcast app of your choice. Number two, email or DM me with some feedback with your questions or with suggestions for future episodes. And finally, number three, share your favorite quote from the episode on social media and tag both me and our guest. All of the links for that are available in the show notes. And whatever option you choose, I am really grateful for your support. Thanks and see you next week.